we must do everything we possibly can to stop the terror. There are a few killers who want to stop the peace process that we have started, and we must not let them. For the sake of humanity, for the sake of the Palestinians who suffer, for the sake of the Israelis who are under attack, we must stop the terror. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank, Thank you. you. Now watch this drive. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Second in Command, a Veep Rewatch podcast. Hi, everyone. Hi, my name is Tim Simons. I played Jonah Ryan on that show. My name's Matt Walsh, and I played Mike McClintock. And by the way, we can't say welcome back because we had an introductory episode, which is sort of disposable. But this is issue number one. I don't think it's disposable. Well, it's issue number one. If you had Superman, this is the episode you want to collect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but in the 90s. Canon? Is it, it part of our canon? I think it would be part of the canon. It would. It was. I think it's considered episode zero. And somewhere in the 90s, comic books started doing this thing where they would put out an issue zero to, I oh. think, in a way, because it would almost be like, oh, I got number one. Oh, well, did you get number zero? I feel like it was a way of like... Um, like, how can we sell something to somebody that's better than the first issue? We All send right. them... So that's what we sold you a second ago. Okay. Was something better than... And that Episode what we one. just watched is our official cold open, right, Tim? That's yeah. a concept we're going to play with throughout the season. Yeah, right? we're gonna we're gonna start every show with a uh, with a, a, a what do you call it? Like clip, soundbite, soundbite uh, of people of politicians failing, uh, hot mics. We are going to have uh, gaffes. I think every it could bleed into as long as it's an, even the business world. I think if it's a general manager of a sports franchise, I think it could ha it could possibly find its way in. Like, do you think it has to be a politician always? I mean, I feel like we were on a show about politics, and so there is right. that thing. I'll, I will help. We'll go case by case. All right, we'll go case by case. Yeah. Um, uh, so what was going was, on in the country, by the way, when that drive was hit? When that drive was hit? Well, well that, we just watched the president hit a drive, right? Yeah. And he that was, was like he April was, of, what was it? 20? It was August 4th of 2002, August, so me. almost a year after September 11th, on the first tee of the Cape Arundel Golf Club in Kennebunkport, Maine. Uh, later in that round, uh, let's hear it, the 43rd president said, uh, saying that he wanted, uh, he wanted the press to applaud his father's swing. Mm -hmm. uh, one member of the press did say, good shot, sir. And to make the old boy feel better, the 43rd president said, and then he tooled off in his gol golf cart. That was back. Um, that was back when a gaff like that was actually like that was something to. That was actually something you had to worry about. Well, yeah, I think he had the swagger too of like the whole country had signed up for rooting out and finding uh, the perpetrators of this. So yeah, there he was were... like, it was easily compartmentalized because all everything they needed was focusing on that. It also. <sighs> I, it also feels like, well, I don't want to go too far into my feelings yeah. about George W. Bush. I think he should stop painting. That's the first thing I want wow. him to do. I want him to stop wow. painting. Wow. Um, I don't know if I uh, subscribe to that opinion. Okay. That's fine. Uh, we are going to look at uh, the television show Veep from the point of view of a lower of a very high What if he listens to You know, we had people from the Bush administration consult our show. He doesn't listen to podcasts. I don't know. When he's painting, it might inspire like something. 
Hey, uh, stop. <laughs> stop doing that. Maybe that'll, that, maybe that'll inspire him. So today we're actually talking about the pilot. We're going to talk about the very first episode of Veep and a little bit about, I think, the rehearsal process going into it. So a pilot is technically episode zero in a way, isn't it? Because yeah. what we ended up retooling and calling episode one was 60 to 70% the pilot material, right? We kept a lot of the actual stuff we shot. And then did reshoots for the season one episode, which finally aired. I feel like it was even more than 70%. The only real... Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think we really went back and reshot that much. No, okay. I think maybe a couple things. A couple scenes, so 90%. I would say 90%. Basically how it was delivered. 90% is sort of how it was delivered. The biggest thing, I mean, like if we'll just jump right into the first scene. The first scene is President Meyer... In the I in the Oval, like in the Eisenhower office, in the OEOB office, walking out to the bullpen, meeting all of meeting uh Tony. They're asked she's asking if people have signed up for the for the for the gathering, like the the celebration gathering that they're gonna be. Oh, wait, why don't you read this? Reeves, yeah. I was yeah. just thinking that. Yeah. Um, I have a great announcer voice. VP Selena Meyer wants to make the implementation of a cleans job commission her main legacy, but then a tweet from a staffer annoys the plastics industry. She makes an offensive joke at a fundraiser, and her chief of staff forgets to sign her own or forgetfully signs her own name on a condolence card for the wife of a senator who just died, and that's of course Rapey Reeves. Rapey Reeves. And so uh, I just want to point out right away, it gave me great comfort to know that Amy had such a classic fuck up. Like as Mike, who is always getting thrown under the bus. As being the biggest like, fuck out of up. the gate, Amy writes her own name, yeah, on a a blank area that says Vice President Selena Meyer. Like, what? How does that I, happen? Well, no, I think that she's that they're passing around this card, and it's not. It, I don't think it actually has like a, a a place where it doesn't have. It's it doesn't have like a place where she's supposed to sign it. Okay, it's just sort of like a you know it's like a blank card you know with respect or All right, whatever. So there was no location. Okay, there was no All location right. that said like this is where. It's just they're going to pass it around and everybody's going to sign it. It's more forgivable when you frame it like that. Um, we are wearing tuxedos. We forgot to oh talk my gosh. about this. Yeah, we forgot about this. We're so used to wearing them that we forgot that we were doing <sighs> it's it. It's my favorite piece of fabric to have on me. Is a uh, I I just starchy honestly, collared. I feel metallic the most buttoned. Yuck. The most at home when I'm wearing French cuffs. And so that's why I think we forgot to talk about why we're even wearing them. Well, if, yeah. if you listen to episode zero, you know why. Well, Tim and I uh, were graced to be, and all the cast members invited to the Just Emmys. Just so blessed. Often. And oftentimes a designer would give you a free tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Because they could walk, have you walk the red carpet in that uh, tuxedo. And so I... And we per- moved the needle. At the back in the day, we moved the needle. Yeah, we moved the needle. Yeah. Some days me, some days Tim, some days neither of us. But sometimes <laughs> the needle is moving around us. I don't even know what the needle is. But we thought it'd be neat to, because uh, I have six in my closet, you might have five or six yourself, mm-hmm. yeah. and be neat to give them away, find a way to give them away. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we're wearing them, because at the end of the episode, we're going to do something that's never been done before on a podcast, and I know... Rewatch podcast already sounds derivative, but what we're going to do mm-hmm. is going to do a rewatch podcast the mm-hmm. entire time in tuxedos. I yep. don't think that's ever been done. I don't know that that's ever been done. And I have be, not checked that. In addition to, we will have each tuxedo notarized by a licensed notary of the state of California mm-hmm. to prove that these tuxedos were in fact worn. Worn. On the day, September 16th in America. California, yeah. Southern California. So uh, they are going to be given away. Arvin, help me out again. 
we're going to be giving them away to a fan, right? We're going to be giving them away to a lucky fan at the live event. Oh, at the live event. That's right. We have a live event. December uh, sometime. So right? the, the tuxedos will be given away for that. I'm sure there will be criteria that you'll have to meet. But by uh, and uh, that criteria is something I should know. And I just, I just don't. Just buy a ticket and attend. Oh, just buy a ticket. And so you will see these get notarized as show worn yeah. state by a state of California notary public. Which is another qualifier, the fact that it's going to be given away at a live show from guys who wore tuxedos. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think this has ever been done before. Like, the journey of this task is a bit like climbing Everest. Like, the, the amount uh -huh. that we are enduring to execute this feat, Yes, it's, it's extreme. Yeah. And I they just want to tease one last thing. Yeah, do it. We have the Korean restaurant worker from season five yes. who is going to come in on our show. Arvin. Arvin, our producer. Are you in the booth? Yeah, he will be coming, and we're working on his people coming in. And we actually had a line together, which I, you, I forgot already. So we have that to look forward to. His people have not gotten back to us yet. So, again, unconfirmed. Season five. Hong unconfirmed. Su? Hong Su. Outside the Beltway is what I remember. Uh, unconfirmed reports that Arvin will be joining us for that. Can I ask one more yeah. question? Too? Yeah. Did you rock a chain wallet when you came to the pilot? Like, were you wearing a chain wallet? Like, were you the guy who had a chain wallet? Well, I don't want to be called the guy that well, had a chain unfair. wallet. Well, that's unfair. I am, I am showing judgment there. Because you are showing judgment. <laughs> <laughs> we unpacked my messiness and my inside-out shirt. Mm -hmm. So the chain wallet, I remember the pilot. Is, I, I is didn't really every, know what is, is every episode just going to be us airing grievances from the previous episode? I forgot that I unpacked I don't your, think it was a grievance you had, and I don't think I took it as a grievance. Okay. I really don't. I okay. think that this it's sounds like a grievance. Well, what your, your, your actions speak otherwise, but please go on. You have watched the TED Talk, by the way. That would be a grievance. I have not All watched right, we'll the TED Talk. We'll agree to disagree on okay. that one. But my point is I have a memory of you, someone who I ended up working with on the show in Baltimore when we got there, and I feel like you were running around with a chain wallet. And I was proven right because we have one of our first press events photo. We have a photo of you at a press event. I don't know if we can pull this up. Arvin. Don't oh, get out of here. Oh, my God. Get out of here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How much, how much time did that take you? Uh, oh my God, is that Johnny Depp or is that that's Chris That's Johnny Angel? Depp. Yeah. Wow, how I, did you know? Well, I'm a big <laughs> Depp guy. Clearly. Well, no, honestly, I knew truly. I was like, that's either Chris Angel or that's Johnny Depp. But the amount of people behind him is what keyed me into the fact that that's going to be Johnny Depp because nobody is that excited. Not that many people are excited to see Chris Angel. Good contextual clue reading. Good contextual clue Thank reading. Thank you very I much. I guess I was stuck on Tom Cruise because of the hair you for know, some reason. But uh, um, well, that's my hair. I couldn't look at the multiple. If you're wearing two ties, that's Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, he was a big, he's a big like fabric around the wrist. I actually, look, I can't stand behind the fact that I wore a chain wallet. I did. But it wasn't like that. I mean, I wasn't like, but. I wasn't bedazzled. I just had a chain wallet because no, this is an honest thing. I've spoken to this before. I I have a tend I lose things. Like I misplace items. And so a wallet being attached to me was the best thing for me. And ultimately, I think it also like at one point I like tried to be like a sort of like mid-aughts, you know, early aughts, mid-aughts emo kid and like that's fine and i feel like a chain wallet went along i don't i don't stand i don't know that i can stand by it but it is one of the things that brought me here well they are 
practical. Like it, it's yeah. a sturdy way of not losing yeah. your. My keys go on a wallet. carabiner on yeah. my on my left in my left it like, is belt loop, and that's what it is. That's, there's a practicality, and if so, well, if I can't you wanna, believe you wore that on the red carpet. Well, look, I claiming some, it was Johnny Depp. I had some. I had some unfortunate uh, moments. So I'll, I actually do want to talk about the second. See, when we get to the second season, I'm going to talk about uncomfortable moments in the second season Emmys. Sure. Tim, do you know who this podcast is sponsored by? Who? BetterHelp.com. Oh, nice. They're yeah. a therapy. That's right. Online therapy. They'll assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. And it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. And I've used BetterHelp. It's good. You'll get timely, thoughtful responses, plus a weekly video or phone session. You don't have to wait around in some waiting room. And I like this because I actually do think it can be a barrier to therapy sometimes. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy mm -hmm. and financial aid is available. Yeah. So anyone interested, visit betterhelp.com forward slash Veep. That's better H-E-L-P and join over 2 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Mm -hmm. And a special offer for Second in Command listeners, 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Veep. And by the way, it's not about taking charge of your mental health. It's a constant struggle. There's never a moment where you've taken charge of your life. Yeah. Well, I don't think maybe you should tell them that it's never going to get better. Well, I'm not saying it doesn't get better. I'm saying... Kind of sounds never... like you're saying it never gets better. Who's in charge of their life? You know, for a rewatch podcast, we have not rewatched anything yet. No, we haven't even covered it. Well, I'll cover one of the well, first plot points. Well, uh, no. I, well no, let's, I, I think let's talk a little bit about the rehearsals because it's was, sure. this was... Contextualize the... Per, yeah. We have to contextualize what was sort of happening in the lead up, which a lot of people never got. A lot, of people, a lot of performers never get this, which is we showed up in Baltimore nine days early and we rehearsed for a solid six or seven days mm -hmm. in addition to costume fittings and all that. Mm -hmm. But we rehearsed and got used to one another and had table reads, multiple table reads, mm -hmm. and got used to each other's company over the course of eight days before we shot at all. And that is incredibly uncommon for television shows. Yeah, it was like a, a living... Uh document because Simon Blackwell and Arm would mm -hmm. uh they would rehearse specific scenes with those actors and Simon was the only writer there and he would write things down and we were putting things on our feet and I had talked to Callie and she said that they were very happy with the chemistry they felt like oh these people have good chemistry like that's what the uh Simon and Arm were thinking and so Julia. when we say Arm we're talking about Armando Iannucci, Armando Iannucci who's the yeah. creator and yeah. showrunner yeah. Uh, of seasons one through four. Simon Blackwell was the co-executive producer and uh, he was the second. He was always like kind of armed second in command throughout most of it. He was like another very trusted high up voice. And Callie Hershey was Associate Hershey producer, which is our favorite thing to say. Yeah. I'm not saying this to air this out, but there was our first table read with uh, like with executives because like I think Casey Bloys came in because he was running Casey Bloys worked at HBO at the time I think he was head of comedy at that point I'm and he now Casey runs all of HBO Max interesting um, he probably came for like 12 hours yeah and so I think I think Casey was there Frank Rich was there and we were going to do our very first table read and everybody was like where's Matt and I don't know if you remember this but we were like oh, I had to like call your room because you overslept for the first table read. Come on. You did. I don't have this memory. But and, I, and I was like real. I, I, I was internalizing everything because I was brand So new. let me just contextualize mm -hmm. the setup is it was like training camp. And we were in the Hilton 
by the convention center. Yeah, and our rehearsal hit. space was the second floor. We had like a banquet room and then we had like a production office. Yes. So it wasn't like I was offset anywhere, but I guess. No, you I'll were right upstairs. You. I was upstairs. Yeah. And, and it was I, at like 10 a.m. And I guess I had slept in for the first rehearsal. I don't know that I can. We're going to have to have one other person corroborate your story. Okay. Before I believe it. So the very first scene. Yeah. Is it, the, the entire show starts out. And the very first question that she asks is, is if there is a senator confirmed for this event that she's having to celebrate cornstarch utensils being put in the uh, being put on capitol hill yeah it's legacy stuff selena's pushing her legacy mm -hmm. she's the veep obviously it's a terrible job but she's gonna get some play by pushing her legacy and it's plastics and or uh, excuse me green technology and green uh all of that yes so now this scene was actually filmed on our very first day of filming which was we uh, not the one that not the one that everybody saw, but this scene, this introductory scene, was actually filmed on like the the in the steps up in uh, the the Museum of Art, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Baltimore, because okay. this was like the one scene I think that was completely reshot, because it was just sort of like entering into the scene where she's like glasses, no glasses. This scene was actually completely reshot so that every so that would ultimately give her some more importance as a character. Am I remembering that wrong? I have no memory of it, you so no I give you 100% traction on your uh, uh, loose memory of it. We okay. can confirm it with others. So all this stuff about the Veep has landed and all of that was just up some boring-looking stairs at the Mica. And this was sort of like an Armando thing, an arm thing about having like a sort of grand scene and really just filming the nitty-gritty, like the small parts of it. Yes. And that was a very arm thing. It's almost like a, an overwhelming job and an underwhelming visual, like sort of on purpose. But what happened was... I think the big note was that we wanted to make sure that there was like some grandiosity at the beginning. We wanted to see, we wanted to see her office. We wanted to start with her in her office and mm -hmm. like she, she being powerful. They added in the bit with you and the smile yeah. to in, sort of introduce everybody right off the bat. Cause mm -hmm. right away you get Tony, you get Anna, you get Sue. Uh, yeah. And you get you getting a poppy seed stuck in your teeth. Yeah. Mike likes to eat. Yeah, right we away. Establish that right away. No, yeah. that's true. That is true. I agree with that. So all of these people introduced. You have Tony gathering things for her. Uh, you have Amy. Uh, you have Sue being super concerned about the schedule. Well, you establish. You a, I think. Pardon me, but you establish the way that Tony operates inside, like underneath Selena's arms and stuff. There was a lot of like understanding that relationship, which was fun to see and play with. I think they rehearsed some of that and. You know, the activity, the business of like Gary was fun to see develop a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, once they actually get to that, uh, once they actually get to that meeting where she's supposed to be celebrating, no one is there because it turns out that one of her staffers has sent out a tweet uh, saying, like, let's make plastic utensils extinct which is why no one has shown up because she says, like, there, are, there aren't enough people in here to fill a fucking canoe. Well, it speaks to the nascency of social media so twitter had been around how long in 2011 arvin uh, two years two years so like something like a legal administration or not a legal government administration falsely saying something this is pre-trump now who's got terrible things to say all the time on twitter so this is like early stages and that why it, that's why a tweet drove the narrative in our episode like nowadays no, it nowadays it wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be thought of. Right. And like and I I feel like at that point it was 
it wasn't even that serious. It was just like it was it was really a, a brand new thing. I mean, like you even it was it was definitely it was a novel thing that somebody's entire day might get fucked up by this. And one of the things that we talked about when we went up and we like took a lot of staffers out to drinks uh, while we were there filming the pilot so we could try to get some background on it. One of the people brought up that as her uh, as a communications person, her entire job was not really getting the word of her candidate out. It was trying to fuck up her opponent's day. That that ultimately was the mark of what she could do. So that was that. So I feel like this is an illustration of how a very a seemingly simple thing can completely ruin a politician's day. So from there, because if you piss off the plastics industry, you piss off the oil, oil industry. industry. She goes to try to talk to Senator Hallows to get her on the Clean Jobs Commission because that will placate the oil companies. So Hallows says, I quote, you piss off plastics, you piss off oil, and you don't want to fuck with those guys because they fuck in a very unpleasant fashion. And quote, unquote, Senator Barbara Senator Hallows. Barbara Hallows. Kate Burton. Uh, Kate Burton. Theater royalty. Theater royalty. Uh, this is also our introduction to Dan, who immediately, who like four times in this scene shows you exactly who he is when he's like, I'm communications, uh, I'm communications director for Senator Hallows currently, uh, and just throws that right in. Is just immediately fishing for a job. Yeah. Uh, uh, tries to get in into the room on that meeting like he is always trying to get yes. into rooms and that was a scene i remember because uh, i stopped by set a lot because i was brand new yeah and i wanted to see every single thing being shot and being made and i was there that day and i remember that that scene ended up was that at daughters of the revolution i think that was the daughters of the american that, then that's Hall. the last day of the pilot because i think our we drove home together in a car me you reed and callie back to baltimore that night we had a drink at the we're going way ahead, so stay yeah. with us, guys. You know the ending. Yeah, you know the, the card ending. has to be stolen and returned and re-signed. <laughs> and Amy fucked it up, not Mike. <laughs> Anyways, the last day of filming, I think, was at the Daughters of the American Revolution. It was. Okay. So we were filming. I think I think that was there. That might yeah. have been. I can't remember if it no, was there. No, we found I just, like a closet there. I think, truthfully, yeah. I do remember that 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 they spent a lot of time figuring out the geography of the power struggle between Selena casually walking over to the couch, between Selena casually walking over to the couch and Senator Hollows just going right back to her desk and the math of who has the power in that situation. And it is definitely Hollows and, and Selena has to walk back to the desk. Like that was something that was not scripted, that was found out. And Julia was big on that, like finding stuff in the space. Mm hmm. Uh, and that was a big one. So, like, that's a moment that was not scripted. So that uh, so she goes there, tries to convince Hallows, uh, tries to convince Hallows to get uh, to to back her against you know to to, to against jump, oil yeah to back her against oil or at least you know just make this not as big of a fuck help her erase the fuck up. Um, Dan walks, which them. was just a tweet, by yes. the way, and then Hallows says an offhanded remark about being hoisted by your own petard but she says a version of it right yes 
Okay. I remember uh, in the in the pilot you learning about all, that. We were all like everybody was like sort of furiously googling. Yeah. What those what all those things were. Yeah. Like what is what is this term? That was the first time I had ever heard it, and so we actually had to like everybody had to reverse engineer. It's like oh hoist by your own petard, and that is an actual incendiary device that is stuck into a wall. It's yeah. meant to like blow up a wall, right? Yes. During like medieval medieval battle. Yeah. And so if you if you get screwed up or effed up by your own petard, you've been hoisted by your own petard. Like you set the trap and then you fell in it kind of. Yeah. You, you set the explosive and then you got wounded by it. And then you are it. blown back by it. Yeah. And that's being called hoist by your own petard. Uh, so I think the next thing that happens is they get back to the office and uh, Jonah's there for the first time. So you meet the person I played. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is where the episode really gets cooking. I'm interested. Okay, so he's sitting there. We're setting him up as an antagonist, if you will. Uh, I think. Uh, it is said that he is uh, he has ignored Sue. Uh, Sue said that she did not that that the vice president did not have time, and that Jonah ignored Sue and by implication her mm -hmm. uh, by just staying around. Um, he's very he hits on Amy. Uh, immediately hits on Amy. Uh, she tells him that uh, she does not like him. Uh, and But he is there to deliver the message that uh, they don't want to be hit with questions about the budget uh, so that she has to go to the SRVA fundraiser that night. Mm -hmm. uh, and she doesn't want to. Uh, uh, Jonah says somewhat disrespectfully that she has to. Uh, and I will also say that while you guys were The Googling, circumstances events should be as such. The president is yeah. very strong. You try to be respectful. And it is good, again, dynamic, power dynamic. Yeah. Once again, I'm sure you guys rehearsed that. We did. And there was something about that. Number one, I had no idea what the SRVA was and i googled everything it turns out this does not exist this okay. is just four letters that's arm and simon put yeah. together and i was i was so new yeah and i was so stressed out that i could not figure out what srva meant but i was too embarrassed to ask because i didn't want them to be like we hired you and you don't know what srva <laughs> means you know what I mean? and it turns out it's nothing it's nothing it's fictional it's fictional it doesn't mean anything and i spent days stressing out about that well it was also good visual like julia's so petite and you're so tall and so i think arm staged it in a way like the delivering the message yes. i think accentuated the the difference and you were sort of slightly humiliated but also asserting your point of view and she corrected you yes yeah i think there were a lot of talks because initially and especially the way i was i took it he was almost dismissive of the vice president as if this was just like you guys are nothing. But ultimately, there yeah. had to be, that was a thing that came out a bunch and that he really viewed himself as the, he was the voice of the White House. He believed that, that, that he carried that weight. And in the show, in a way, he kind of did because you really didn't see anybody else in the White House. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty silly that like this child was the one who was delivering this message. But in a way, you were the liaison to the least important part of his cabinet. Like yes. you got the job to go tell the vice president that she has to go to this dinner or that dinner. It's not like you're going to the Pentagon and no. bringing someone to the situation room. And it, and like, and uh, I remember you called me the human form of a text message at one point. Yeah. So like, that's what's happening is just told you have to go because we don't want to have any questions about the budget. and he kind of says because you're like you're too you're kind of too stupid to like like that's just not what you're 
good at. Um, so there was a, a arm uh, and Julia. They would always, she would always take off her shoes whenever we were yeah. standing next to her to highlight how differently, yes. how different in height we were. Yes. Um, yes. So that is that's why I look so unbelievably freakish. Yeah, and they played. I think again that some of the rehearsal ex- explored that dynamic, and I'm sure Julia was a huge part of that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, after that, we go to the fundraiser, right? From mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It, we also, I think in that previous scene, we get the introduction of Sue to the president call. Yes. And we met a scheduler who is basically Sue, who basically said she would kill, she would take a bullet or kill for her senator. I don't know if you met her, but she had this like scary 50 yard stare and she was really intense. And she said at some point during us, like walking around DC and meeting different jobs, oh, this woman does scheduling and he does the press secretary stuff. And uh, she was like, I would kill for him or I would, I would take a bullet. I would take a bullet for him. Like, and and nobody was asking that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like great truth that we discovered about Sue's like maintaining that door. Cause there's always people groveling for scraps outside of the president, vice president's door. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, So at the SRVA fundraiser, she Mike does. eats. Mike, Mike eats. eats. So you use you because utensils are politicized. You suggest using celery as some kind of shovel, <laughs> 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 which is a moment that I love. But right before that, she does two things. She does two things that I that both of them came from real life. The first one, I think, the first one was something that they picked up when we went up to DC, which was the "I see you, I see you." And oh, when that, she walks into a yes, room? and that was something that became a runner throughout the entire show of I See You, I See You, which is just a, it's like uh, n- saying nice to see you. It's, you're not, it's like one of those politician things where it's just, even that, even that thing, I see you, I see you. <laughs> it sounds like they're saying something that gives you a personal connection to them. Yeah, and that and so that was something that they threw in that Julia picked up. Uh, I think when we were up in D.C., this idea of "I see you, I see you" when you don't know what else to say, and it's something that she went back to a bunch. And the second thing was the Barbara Boxer, the the Barbara Boxer box. Yeah, which is box me, Gary. With box me, Gary, which was for optics, you didn't want to look too short. Uh, you didn't want to look too short behind the lectern. Yeah, and so she would have a little box that she, Barbara Boxer would always have. It was a senator from California, right? She was senator. Yeah, uh, she would have a little box that was always put there, and, yeah. and they just loved the idea that the Leviathan always kind of had that box in it. Yeah, and you're obviously setting up the Leviathan, mm-hmm. like what's in there, and and the sort of I would take a bullet for Selena as well, like his his duty to her, because I think you harass him a little bit, or Jonah harasses him a little bit. Oh, uh, uh, Dan does. Dan does. Yeah, yeah, around the coffee machine. Around the coffee and espresso machine. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a Keurig. It's a Keurig. It's a Keurig. He doesn't know how to use a Keurig. Again, Keurigs are pretty novel at that point. Yeah, they were pretty new technology. So at the SRVA fundraiser, she gets a, uh, she gets, uh, I, I come in and I tell you, uh, this is the, something that we picked up uh, while we were having drinks. The idea of somebody coming in and taking a speech that you're about to give and just crossing out stuff, and just being like, this would be like, they're just pencil fucking your speech. Yeah, it's called pencil fucking. And so we brought that back and Arm was like, great, throw it in. So I come up and I pencil fuck your speech. There's no mention of 
cornstarch is no mention of utensils, no mention of oil, clean jobs, none of it. It has to be crystal clean and non-offensive in every single way, mm-hmm. which leaves her with uh, hello and prepositions. Mm-hmm. And you assure her that it's going to be fine. But if you start off with, with the, the kitten heels with the gag. Kitten heels gag. <laughs> And I just, my favorite I'm going to lose the tuxedo, but that doesn't change the value. No, I'm just, I'm getting warm. Okay. That doesn't change the value of this tuxedo being worn on this date for an entire episode. So one of my favorite moments of yours in that is when they're saying like, is that joke funny? Somebody says, is that joke funny? And you say, it's funny enough for these people. (laughs) (laughs) And you're so, you're so mad about it. And you also, well, Mike is is done with it too. He's he's been trying, he's been treading the pavement around DC for a while. Yes. Like this is, you're so far past this. You're so far beyond this. And he has a Blackberry like everyone else, but he's not proficient at the Blackberry. And you're just like, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's going to be fine. Like you're not used to the speed at which these things are traveling. And you say it's funny enough for these people. And also hit filibuster reform. That's your Sergeant Peppers, yes. which is something I say in my real life now. I have brought <laughs> that's that your with, Sergeant yes, Peppers. Oh, yeah, do like you that's know, so if you're, good. If you're at a restaurant and really like something, and you know, like whatever, you know, the waiter, you yeah. know, like oh yeah, I'm getting that. That's the Sergeant Peppers. <laughs> I also this is a behind the scenes thing that I want to throw out. Wait, I just want to say one thing. We yeah. also got to interview many people who did our job, like various press secretaries or people in D.C. And I can tell you that meeting press secretaries for various presidents, there were guys I talked to that their job was to read seven papers a day and then they knew the landscape. They knew what was going to come at them for the day. So they had seven papers delivered to their front porch or or home or apartment. They would knock those back for two or three hours, whatever, in the morning, and then they were ahead of the cycle. And we were starting our show two years after Twitter started. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, like we said, one of the plot points that the show turns on in such a sweet time before social media was different yeah. was just a simple tweet. So, and I mean, if you look at like what, what we're coming up on is the idea that she repeats hoist by your own artard yeah. in her thing, because she gets, she actually gets a good response. She starts, you know, somebody makes the joke, uh, somebody yells out, is your guy going to be tweeting about this? And she's like, Oh, ha ha ha. He's not in a position to uh, pay his iPhone contract. And that's good. That gets a good response. gets a good laugh. And then because Mike McClintock threw him in the Potomac River yeah. and that gets another big response. Yeah. And yeah. then she was like, oh, I've She's got it. I've, I've like got the, I've got the crowd back. Yeah. I've found the thing that I, after all these awkward silences, she holds for, she holds for applause after she talks about Senator, the late great Senator Reeves and nobody applauds. Well, someone asked, what are you going to do with that intern who, right? Yeah. Or is your, the, is in, your, is your, is your guy going to be tweeting about this? Yeah. And and then she says the oh boy with that corn cornstarch treat we were really hoisted by our own. It's a case of being hoisted by your own, own blank. Our, yeah. yeah, and uh, she and knows she said it like immediately. Julia's obviously wonderful in so many ways, but I always love like her indecision moments. Like after she says that, just like seeing the way she played it and knowing it, and then pretending like it didn't happen. And there's not a lot of words around that moment. It's really funny. And we like immediately cut to the closet where she's saying, I know what I did. I know what I did. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I did. I know. And like, that's actually a really good example of something because all of our, if you don't know this part, most, most television shows, the, like the thing is like, it's about a minute, a page 
like the the, the show is is one yeah. minute per one page. Yeah, and all of our episodes were probably. 55 to 60 pages long and so things would just get cut out incredible would be found the show would be found in the edit and mm -hmm. that's one of those moments where there was an there was like speech after she says it where she recovers there was moments where she was coming yes, off the stage she and lived on were, the podium for some of that she You're right. lived on the podium for a lot longer and there was a lot more movement to get her into the closet and yeah. figure out well where do we go where do we strategize there was a there was a big part is of that, that a scene. scene we may have reshot or the the episode that it, no, that was all original. So the original stuff from the pilot ended up airing in episode one anyways. We yes. didn't reshoot that scene. No, we didn't okay. reshoot it, but we did shoot an entire like- Other things. Yeah, all the stuff in between that line, the end of the speech and you guys all traveling to the closet and it ultimately completely gets cut out. And I think that there is that reason for it, which is it's so much funnier to have a long- well, like a long silence and then to cut right to her in the closet I know saying, what I, did. I know what I did. <laughs> I know what I did. And again, like going back to like a sort of nicer time before social media, the big conversation you guys are going to are having and even something that like, you know, Dan, who's the savvy guy yeah. is saying, this is going to be in all the papers tomorrow. And, and like this, every every minute we waste, this goes up a font size. So that puts you right where we are in the moment of like, this is before like a Twitter storm is going to cause like minute by minute, uh, minute by minute uh, scandal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The, like the conversation is still the newspaper the next day. Mm -hmm. The next morning, you've been up all night trying to get ahead of the story trying to convince people not sweat stains sweat stains enormous shirt sweat untucked stains. shirt untucked she comes in and is furious because it's a picture of her using celery as a shovel <laughs> she's eating right yeah. on the front page of the washington post yes uh Reed comes in and you uh you What's say, up, Dickwad Pie? <laughs> What's up with what you got cooking, Dickwad Pie? <laughs> and then you have to be introduced to the gentleman I wrote it down, who is the uh who's the um uh the president of the American Foundation of Developmental Disabilities. Yes. Because they are trying, they are gonna run damage control. So while you she says tuck your shirt in because your <laughs> dick is hanging out of your pants. Yes. He brings in the president of the American Federation of People with Developmental Disabilities to try to run uh to try to run uh some defense. Yes. And I say that in front of him. So like that's that's not a good move. Yeah. No, that's that's very funny. Move. Yeah. I find that very funny. I'm trying to think Oh, the thing I wanted to bring up was yeah. sidebar there was also a sheet of jokes. So during filming of this, because I spoke to Callie and I didn't know this, mm -hmm. there was a sheet of jokes that they'd been collecting or writing. So on the day when we got into fun takes, let's say we would improvise and then Simon would, Arm would stay up all night writing or, or Simon, whoever, would do the redrafts. And then we would see them and we'd, they would tinker again and again. And then in the moments where we had shot the scenes from the pilot and we had done pretty like sturdy runs at it and we would get a free take which was often permission to like fuck around or play mm -hmm. with it. And Arm would often give us jokes verbally. And I did remember this. He would say like, call him blank. You know, the insult for Jonah might be different or like, so, the, and, but that was a document we never saw. So there was the script document, but there was also a side running document because they were, they had jokes, which 
I love because there's nothing better than saying a joke for the first time and you not knowing it. And it's so funny to see you not try to laugh. Yeah. So if it's a really funny joke, uh, which is downstream from my remember early on, Julia was just like, let's just try to make each other laugh, which is such good advice. Yeah. And Arm obviously engendered that, you know, environment in, in the best way. So. And that this this entire run from you, uh, from, like you in the bullpen, starting like, you know, on the phone with yeah. people all the way through to um, uh, the, the guy, the president of the American Foundation of Developmental Disabilities going into the office, Jonah then coming in and doing his whole thing about like, here's this card. I need to get this signed. It's very important. V POTUS, POTUS is signed. V POTUS needs to sign. You have the bit about, uh, uh, it sounds like you're passing. No, she, Amy has the bit of, uh, it sounds like you're passing the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. <laughs> um, the importance then, with which you, yeah. Yeah, and then he leaves that entire run all the way up to and including i think her coming out wherever that scene ends we was a would, oneer we would ultimately do it as a oneer we would pick oh, it right. all off right. and then he would put arm would put the cameras in two place in one place where they could kind of get the entire room mm-hmm. and and then he would say go back to the beginning and run it from the top and go throughout the go through the entire scene and don't use the same words but just hit all the major beats so just like make it in a way like you kind of know what the scene is because we've now done all of it we've covered mm-hmm. all of it mm-hmm. now go back to the top and we'll just see what happens as far as jokes go as far as more natural moments or just whatever something that might come up but he would set the cameras far back enough that we could walk anywhere mm-hmm. and that is very rare for performers usually mm-hmm. it is like mark 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 Mm-hmm. And that was something like, so I basically like the first television show that I've ever was ever cast <laughs> Gave you the on, worst habits it in the world. It gave me the worst You're habits so ever. Yeah. I was so spoiled because the first time I ever went to a set with Marks, I was kind of like, yeah, but these are like. You guys will watch our rehearsal and you guys you'll will watch, figure it out. And then you'll figure it out. But yeah. we just kind of go anywhere, right? Yeah. And it's not like that. Yeah. But so that we would then, he would put the cameras off in a corner and we would then go through a 12 or 15 page scene. So that entire scene that we're talking about right now at yeah. one point, we would do that entire 12 or 15 pages top to bottom. Uh, and I remember that being a he- like that was one of my most favorite things about the pilot, but then also about going on to the first season. We did that kind of thing a lot because so I mean, like that was like a that room was a room where we had a lot of fruit, we had a lot of control over that room as mm-hmm. far as lighting went and that sort of thing. So it wasn't something we could do as much on location, but in that room, we could do 15 page takes. And I guess there was also something, there was something nice about knowing that you, you could, you knew that that entire thing was not gonna make the cut or i mean other people i didn't know i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know how this was yeah i don't think we ever thought i mean probably julia she's very smart and thinks like a producer too but i was i was not aware of like oh my god we're only gonna use like 20 percent of these 15 page takes or whatever i was never thinking that i but it was nice to like as far as like as far as getting into character and your talk like and learning about it like we it forces you to moment by moment fill up 15 pages of fill up 15 pages of uh of space 
and just and so like what are you doing when all of this other stuff is happening around you it forced us to figure that out and i think it for it did it forced us to to find out more about the characters we were playing in those moments because we were doing them because we had it wasn't just oh yeah i'll just come in and say this and then i'm out of frame like you were always in you never knew when they were going to be turned at you you never That's knew right. when they were going to be on or not or you never knew what was going to be found that would fit into a scene and make it better so just live in it and it ended up it ended up i think being very instructive for all of us moving forward it's time for sue did the president call no but these fans did all right, you gang. So we have questions from our fans, our listeners, our supporters of the show, and this is the first time we're doing it. So we're excited to have them. So uh, Arvin, throw some questions from the folks out there who watch the show. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. I have a two-part question, I guess. Um, also, just very excited about this podcast. Uh, I know episode one touched on Twitter a little bit, and of course, you know, throughout the series, but Overall, in real life, do you think that Twitter helps or hinders politics? And the second part to that um, is that if Twitter and social media didn't exist or didn't exist for politics or political figures, do you think the show would have been as fun to make? Thanks. I, I feel like th this is a question that's calling upon us to be experts, and I'm not sure. Well, I can give quick answers. Uh, is the world better for Twitter? No. No, absolutely politics, not. No. Politics, no. No, okay. Nothing is better with it. In fact, everything is worse. And the second part is, do we think the, the show would be more fun to make without it? I think the show would have been fun to make without Twitter because, I mean, really at the beginning we were making it without Twitter. So, so I think the overall thing of Twitter makes the entire world worse is 100% true and the show would have been fine without it. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, either way, the show hopefully can survive Twitter, but the world, it's bad for the world and politics. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We're going right. to listen to the next, the next message too. All right. Hey, Matt and Tim, I'm just curious, with such a talented cast, uh, I'm sure it got easier to improvise, but how was it at the beginning trying out new jokes with uh, someone as talented as Julie Louise Dreyfus? Thank you. Well, I will speak to that. I feel like in the room... I'd done a lot of improv, but it felt very, uh, it felt quiet when you thought you said something funny and there wasn't a lot of laughter there. So there were nights where I would call my wife. I'm like, I don't know that they still like me for this show. Like I would have real questions about my talent or my contributions <laughs> to the process. But ultimately, I think I adjusted. And I think we were encouraged to adjust to the fact that it's not all going to be great. We're going to stumble through this stuff. We can fit permission to kind of fail. We would have conversations about the process and arm would contribute ideas. Obviously when we were improvising, mm -hmm. obviously there was a tremendous script that we were always starting with. And I would, I would say it was in, like, you know, again, it was my first thing. So improvising with everybody was incredibly uh, daunting, but I, I think Julia and arm, and Matt, uh, you, you, Matt, and and Tony, everybody made it very comfortable and supportive from the very beginning. And so I did feel like it was fine to fail. It didn't feel like a room where you were going to be punished if you failed. Like it was definitely uncomfortable, yeah. but it didn't feel like an unsupportive room. And the other thing is that we also had a little bit of leeway in that it's not like we were improvising scenes that had to be good in the way of like, it was okay if it felt 
if it wasn't like chasing a joke. It wasn't like the improvisation was never all. It wasn't there to always be funny and to get to a joke. It was to get bits and bobs. It was as to the get British bits and bobs, and it, was, and it was to get a, a sense that it felt lived in. Yes, and, and to put it on its feet and to understand it a little better. That repetition let us understand it, much like the long take. So the rehearsal yeah. served many functions. So by after a while, I think we were uh, okay with like not being hilarious or not improvising great lines. And in fact, it was counterproductive because yeah. it was ultimately a structured scene that we were trying to execute in the most believable and funny way possible. Mm -hmm. So a lot of meditation and thought and say, okay, hold on. What if he said that line instead of me? And that was always very interesting to see like, Oh, he could say that. She could say that. Or, you know, Julia would say, give it to her. You know, and that was very interesting, too. Yeah, absolutely. So it was incredibly daunting. But the good thing was it wasn't just about chasing every single laugh that was out there. Yeah. yeah. As we understood the purpose of the process, it was correct. This is from Anonymous. So I, I feel like they were, they don't want to be known. Hi, my name's Christina. Oh, And I was fuck? just curious, how much did you two know about politics before being on the show? And did you learn a lot about it while filming? <laughs> yes, I learned a bunch about it. Are you disappointed that she broke her anonymity? <laughs> yeah. This is the me. Hi, Christina. Uh, Matt, you take that one first. Um, I didn't know. I knew a fair amount about politics. And what we got to do in our show is I grew up in Chicago. So my impression of Chicago was like democratic machine politics. That's sort of what I grew up with. So I based a lot of Mike's traits or Mike's maneuvering in the world from like a Chicago-based machine, if you will. Yeah. I know a guy who knows a guy, or you can't come in here unless you know a guy, that sort of mentality. So that's the ex not the extent of my politics, but that's my rough understanding of how it worked. And then being on the show, extremely helpful in understanding like behind the scenes, how it really happens, where it would happen. What's at stake here? Like, what is the likelihood of this stuff? And being around people like Frank Rich, who could probably predict things. Like, you could ask Frank in the morning, much like Google. Do you think they're going to pass this law? No, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. So, I would say it was sort of the same. I was generally, like, reasonably politically involved, although my understanding of how it works, and honestly, even the stuff I probably should have learned in high school, I, like, I was, like, I just learned a lot about the, like, the systems of American government that I didn't know before mm -hmm. uh, just by being on it. And uh, so I, I was reasonably political before. And I do also think it, it helped me understand when I was being spun by my own party where I'm just like, oh, they're just saying that. They're just saying that because that's the party line on this. And you know what I mean? Like there were plenty of times where I would get caught up in that before. And so I feel like I'm a little bit better at recognizing when that's happening. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, excited about the rewatch. Um, I'm curious how much you knew about your character's arcs from the beginning you know like did you have any sense of where mike and jonah were headed when you filmed the pilot um or did that sort of evolve naturally as the show went on let me know all right thanks i'll say that not only did we not really know it also kind of felt like arm and simon and everybody they were kind of building the plane after we had taken off <laughs> most seasons they didn't even know how the season was going to end as it was as they as it was up and produced being produced like, we would be in episode four and they wouldn't know how yeah. it was going to end yeah. i would say this somebody brought up that there are like there are two kinds of showrunners or two kinds of writers uh that there are planters and there are planners and we actually worked with both and that arm was a planter he planted a million things to see what would grow mm -hmm. and whichever ones grew he would kind of follow that but he was mm -hmm. very much like i know i'm gonna see what happens and dave was somebody 
who was a, who definitely had spontaneous moments and would allow for different things to happen. But he knew, like he planned, right. he had an outline. So at the beginning of the later seasons, we would know exactly where we were headed at the beginning. But in the first four, we didn't know. We didn't know where that episode was ending up. Yeah, yeah. And oftentimes I would see Armando getting scripts or scenes and he was almost like a newspaper editor the way he would go through it cross it off hand it back to the writer it was like putting together the sunday or the friday paper yeah so the process yeah that's it i like that planner and planner i haven't heard that i um i think it just speaks to like it was it i mean like it was very fun but it it led to a lot of chaos yes chaos i mean like it was chaotic all the time yes and i think the only thing that might have come back maybe in the pilot was for Mike was his bullshit too. Like I thought, Oh, maybe they'll bring that back. Like something like that yeah. feels like it might come back, but I don't even think it did quite honestly. Yeah. So there was no idea of what was going to, uh, where these characters were heading. So anyways, Amy signs the card upside down. Then she, she, she <laughs> Selena does her little thing. Can you sign this for me? Which has been set up earlier. Yes. She hands she her thing it. when I'm first there. Signs her own name, realizes it. Gary is dispatched in Sue's coat yes. to go get the card from Jonah. Yes. Bring it back and get another one. Basically. The reason that he is wearing Sue's coat is because his is now soaked with coffee because she, she has says the level of, of incompetency in this office, office is, is staggering. staggering. I remember loving that take. Gosh, her explosive. Another energy. thing that I another thing that I carry with me is the idea of I am trying to put out two fires and I come out and I found out that you have set fire to the fucking fire truck. Like there is in my life, there are so many examples of people yeah. setting fire to the fire truck. Yeah. And like that is one that's really stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he has to go over, get the, uh, uh, get the card back from Jonah. Uh, I remember rehearsing this one with Tony was a lot of fun. This was another thing Arm did for that spontaneity was if he saw us running lines, he would come over and tell us to stop. Like another terrible habit that yeah. I learned from this yeah. being my first job. If he saw us running lines, he would tell us like, no, like because he wanted it to not feel so rehearsed. Messy, he wanted yeah. it to feel messy. Mm -hmm. um, and this was an example of that. Like I was rehearsing that scene with Tony, he saw us running lines. He came over and like moved us away from one another. Mm -hmm. He moved us away from one another. So ultimately, Gary gets the card back, but he, in order, but he agree, he has to agree for Amy to go out on a, do a date with Jonah because Jonah says that he knows that Amy won't have sex with him. But if other eights uh, out of tens, you know, on the number mm -hmm. scale, an eight out of ten um, uh, sees if if, if other if you're eights, next to an eight. Then all these other eights will know that he's eight capable, eight and that bumps Whatever. him up the ladder. Yes, he's he he agrees. Um, goes back. Uh, good uh, news, bad news. I got it. Bad news. You're going on a date with Jonah. Yes, uh, with and, for Linguini and a porno, or Linguini, maybe just a porno. Uh, no, maybe just Linguini. Uh, no, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's chicken, shrimp, <laughs> Linguini, and a porno. I'm just kidding. It's chicken Linguini and a porno. Uh, uh, and. Uh, it turns out that the president has already signed it. Uh, and and Amy says, touch me and you'll lose a finger and a ball. Is that in that scene? I think she says it at the very end when you're going on the date. Touch me. Yes, you you'll lose, lose a, finger. a finger and a ball. Uh, uh, there were a couple things in that last moment that I really liked in that uh, how people respond to uh, the fact that they are going to have to forge the signature 
on it. Now, and it being yours, which is plausible, the plausible, though, plausible okay. deniability, you're just like, I, I want to be here enough, but I like, I don't want to see the actual bad stuff. I want to, mm -hmm. um, I want to, I want to be out of it. Plus, Dan, he will be pulled in front of the media. Like, if anybody's going to get questioned about it, he will be. Yes. So that also is smart thinking. It's a smart thinking. It's not shirking responsibility. It's like managing in an efficient way. Not like Amy, who screwed this whole thing up by signing right. a card yeah. with her own signature. Mike's actually, I'm sorry. Mike's kind of the, I mean, he's really kind of the hero of the story. Uh, but Dan, number one, already knows how to forge it by doing it upside down. And Selena is in, and does so without thought and without regard. He does it immediately. Mm -hmm. And Selena is perfectly, perfectly willing to go along with that. Mm -hmm. And I think so from the beginning, like we're seeing, we're seeing these sort of core pillars of those characters that will like the things that like, cause not everything from a pilot stays alive throughout the entire show. Mm -hmm. But like there are a couple examples, I think, of things that were like core pillars of the characters that are that are there. Her very, willingness to forge the president of yes, the United States. Because it serves example, her own yes. political end. Yes. His willingness to do something completely unethical for his own ends. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I give all the stuff that they're setting up with Gary being, you know, like a big beautiful, like always complimenting her. Uh, that sort of thing. It's just all right there from the beginning. And I think it's crazy. Well, and he does that. her, he does the dirty work right away, doesn't he? Yeah. He's had to like break up with husband or not yes. boyfriends, et cetera. And yeah. He's had to do things for her, fire people. Yes. yes. And he's willing to do so very readily and doesn't question it at all. Yeah. 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 Um, so that would, that's it at the end, uh, it, the show ends on Amy and Jonah leaving to go out on that date. The one thing I will say, like, I just remember trying to think of what was the most, cause that was, that was like not a scripted run. Your no. stuff about breaking up with hollows. I don't think that was scripted. No. Uh, and as I was walking out, I was just trying to think of like, what's the most boring thing that I could think of the president doing and I was just like, oh, like, I think that's where I came up with the idea of just like having somebody telling, telling someone a story about how somebody saw you eating trail mix. Right. Is That's the most boring thing I could think of at the time. And so that's what I threw out and it right. made it in there. I was pretty right. happy about that. Right. And I think I was more like getting into the rivalry of Dan, but also accepting him into the fold if you will yeah i think they'd all been together for a while so that was sort of the journey for mike's character and that was really fun to play and to also give him shit nonstop, which is what everyone does yeah i mean i love this scene i remember the the scene earlier in the show where he says you know like do the calculation about who's going to be around here longer as scripted that was really dan like when you talk about like status like you know at the end like you were completely defeated and one thing that i actually do remember very clearly from that scene is you is you talking to Armin Simon and being like, Mike has actually built a career up until this point. Like he actually like, he's not a complete imbecile. Mm -hmm. He has been Amy successful. Fucked up the card. Amy fucked up the card. Ahead, but I actually really do like the fact that you, that was something I remember you fighting for in that moment of like, let's not have this be a complete win for him. Like Mike would fight back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so when you say like, you know, your thing about like in your poli sci BA, did they teach you how to write a press release? Because yes. I love that you are like that you that that was a moment that I remember you brought to it in the pilot of yeah. you fighting back a little bit against this up and comer. You've seen guys like this all the time. That is the truth of it, right? He's a seasoned veteran, so yeah. he's like 
being threatened could be real, but also he'd know how this plays out too. Yeah. Like nobody's above, especially in a being in the orbit of a mercurial boss like Selena Meyer. It's like anything could happen. Yeah. So he he's seen much more than Dan has. Oh, yep. and then there's also in that last scene, there's like a classic Armando thing, which I also the spinning. No, that well, there's the spinning, but the the um the I need a shit, like the sort of very highbrow, yeah. lowbrow thing. Yes. And so, and that also is kind of like a Britishism that we would have to like, you know, I almost feel like remove from the script. You have to remove from the script that I that we because it was also very earlier early in the process i think i have one earlier when i say the president's very keen like we didn't know that we should just take that out because that's very much a british thing to say we just said it because it was like it had to be said because you know we would take them all out later but i need a shit is kind of a britishism as well like that phrasing yes is a little bit british but shit. the joke still the the joke still works i still love the joke even though it is a little bit of a britishism yeah anyway that's the pilot yeah, and a credit roll of, uh, I always liked the credit rolls, yeah. which is just like rambling on and seeing how long, how many jokes that ended up in the final cut, Yeah, which is really fun in the shrunk down. All right, Tim, you ready? I'm ready, man. I've been ready for this the whole time. I'm so, so excited. So we're brought, we brought in our notary, and I met her off camera, and do you mind if we bring her in? No, no, absolutely. Give it up for Leslie. Come Leslie, on in, Leslie, the notary. Not that that's all you are, but you are one of many things, Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hi. So this is what we're doing. We have these certificates of authenticity that we have worn these tuxedos on the show, first time in podcast history, and that mm -hmm. they these are going to be given away. And so when we give them away to somebody who comes to the live show, we want them uh, to know that they are to know that they're they're real. So I think we are going to we're going to witness each other's. Yeah, I will be his witness and you will be my witness. Yeah. And then I'll sign it on the back for both of you. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. that works. Yeah. Oh, we're looking at the back of the embossed. Yes, because the notary wording has to be there by law on the back. Not on the back, but we don't want to put it in Watch the front. Him. Watch mm -hmm. him. I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie. Make sure he doesn't sneak anybody Leslie. under the table. To Your only job him. is to visually yes. witness yes. a moment. Yes. It was really nice to meet you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, thank you for coming in. Uh, all right, guys, so that's the pilot. That's it. Uh, we're going to be doing episode two next time with special guest Tony Hale, Anthony Hale. Perhaps you've heard of him. Yeah, that's that's going to be exciting because I want to see what he remembers. And thank you, all, everyone, for submitting questions. And again, you can submit questions to our show at castmedia.com slash second in command. Do you have to say forward slash anymore? I don't know. I like just saying slash. it only. I no. know Arvin, Arvin says no, but young. I think there's He's something young. fun about saying forward slash. All right. So if you are going to send a question and go to castmedia.com forward slash second in command. Uh, also remember that we have a live event coming up. Uh, you you can see that uh, uh, on uh, on the internet there. It's, like it's, a, it's a bonus event. Tickets are on sale now at loopedlive.com. L-O-O-P-E-D live.com. Um, and uh, you're also going to be entered into a raffle. Yes. Uh, and uh, a Please handful follow, of winners. rate, and review us. Leave five stars if you liked it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Th that's two separate thoughts. I, I was kind of... Go ahead. Thanks. Some professional dude. You acted like I'd ruined something that was going to be perfect. Let's see <laughs> if this is perfect now. Go ahead. 
You'll be entered into a raffle to win the tuxedos that we are wearing that will come with a notarized certificate of authenticity. Mm. Oh, right at the end. Mm. God, it was going to be perfect. Can we get that again? Uh, Just because you said authentic, you stumbled on authenticity. Uh, 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 people from now, I'm just now I'm nowhere. Now I'm lost. Do the, fo- <laughs> do the follow rate review thing. Please follow rate or review our show and leave us, leave us five stars and review and review and if you get involved with our show, or if you engage with the show, you'll be entered into a raffle. Where you can good? win a Veep Funko yeah. doll signed by both of us. That's exciting. I'll tell you that much. That is cool. These are cool. Don't try to cover up the fact that you just didn't do a perfect job. You didn't do a perfect job. But I didn't I- back you down a bit. Like, hey, what, what just happened there? I was rolling. <laughs> I was getting ready to dunk. And I'm like, all right, let's see the dunk. And then you didn't dunk. <laughs> Thanks for watching Second in Command of Veep Rewatch. Yeah, please hit the subscribe button and tune in every Tuesday when the new ones drop. Rewatch the show for exclusive behind-the-scenes stuff, info, insight, and more. Episodes coming, and thanks for watching. Yeah, hit that uh, subscribe button. This is the mouse arrow, right? That's what you're representing? It's the a cursor? Put it, do a little circle with your finger, and it'll, it'll like be bigger so you can see where it is. Oh, okay.